Welcome to Chapter 70 of the Kinsman Die Podcast, home of fantasy fiction based on Norse mythology that's written and read by me, Matt Bishop. In this podcast, I read my first novel, Kinsman Die, one chapter at a time. And with each episode, when it makes sense, I provide some commentary about the source materials I've referenced in the text. There are 23 chapters left in the book. We are nearly there. Just as Blind Hoder, the son of Odin and Frigg, is nearly back in Gladsheim. When we last were with him, he left his fiancée, Alara, in Ifington. He had been given a magic spear by the smith, Lopt. When Hodor holds that spear, he can see again. Hodor told Alara about the spear and offered to share the fruit of Yggdrasil with her. It would keep them both young as long as they ate it. However, Alara refused the offer. So, Hodor has to choose between continued life and eventual death with Alara or a long life without her. Lopt had offered to take Hodor to Gladsheim. Lopt was bringing another shipment of weapons to the Einherar, and Hodor decided to take him up on that. So Hodor is returning to Gladsheim to patch things up with his family and maybe ask his father to give fruits to everyone in Alara's family, including Alara herself. And that's where we find him now, on the road again. Chapter 70. Hodor. After a couple of nights on the road to Gladsheim, Hodor had grown thoroughly tired of the rumble and scrape of the iron-bound wheels of the smith's cart on the road stones. The relentless sound had driven him inward and made him dwell on his failed attempt to persuade Alara to share Yggdrasil's fruit with him, and that same fruit now rode heavy in the bag looped around his shoulders. He still wasn't entirely sure why he'd decided to visit his father, except that it felt right to end what troubled him before trying to start something new, whatever that might end up being, which, in a way, he supposed, answered his own question. So quiet, Jarl Hodor, Lop said. Don't call me that, he said reflexively. He still hadn't donned his gold arm ring. It hung by a cord around his neck. All of the Jarls and Sons of Odin wore the same ring. A heavy, doubled loop of braided gold, one end a wolf's head, the other a raven's. It was a copy of Draupnir, the arm ring Odin wore. My apologies, Lop said. But I don't know what else to call you. With every mile we draw closer to Gladsheim, you grow that much more... gruff than you were in Ifington. It doesn't suit you, my friend. Didn't it? In Ifington, he'd been free of his family and his past, though, were he honest, he'd often felt its shadow looming. Family and past both, like an approaching storm on a hot summer's day. He'd left Gladsheim blind and furious, but he was returning with his sight, if not healed, then replaced was maybe the best word. And his anger? As he sat, jostled and bounced by the cart, listening to the dull clunk of spears and swords, he didn't feel any of that same rage that he'd taken with him from Gladsheim. One of the cart's wheels banged hard against the road and jarred him to say, I'm not a true Jarl, Lopt. I don't rule a district. Lopt flicked the reins, the leather slapping against the broad back that loomed hazily before Hodor's half-seeing eyes. Maybe, but you're still one of the Allfather's sons. That commands respect, as do your deeds in the last war. You should wear that arm ring I've noticed beneath your shirt with pride. Pride? Hodor laughed. People don't want crippled heroes, especially if they're an Odin son. With his blind eyes, he could see the lean gray shapes looming tall beside the road, with leafless fingers intertwined like bones on a battlefield. 
He rolled his new spear, the smith's gift, between his hands. Yet as I hold the spear and see even this horse's ass in front of me, the one that broke my skull, I believe, I thank Agur that our paths crossed, the horse and yours. He thumped the spear's butt against the planks of the cart beneath his feet. My father will ask how you came by its runes, you know. Are you prepared for that? The cart creaked and rumbled down the road for a long time before the smith flicked the reins and asked, Do we have to tell him? Hoder laughed. You've never met my father, have you? My friend, the moment he sees this spear, he'll notice the runes. I've no gift for magic, but he taught me the runes he knows. Most of the ones you used, I don't recognize. He'll insist on knowing where you got them. And Hoder's spear granted sight. Lopped looked as if he were spun from gray clay. The smith flicked the reins again. Maybe you could just use another spear while we're there. Well, now you have me worried. What magic did you use? My father and brother both failed to restore my sight. Did I stumble across an unheard-of smith from a small village? And I, I mean no offense by that. Who succeeded where they did not? He shook his head. No, my father will demand an answer. My brother will be nicer about it, but he too will want to know how you did what you did. After another dozen heartbeats of rumbling, rattling cartwheels, Lop's shoulders slumped and he blew out a long sigh. I knew it couldn't last, but at least you'll speak for me, I hope. I have a Svartalvar chained to my forge. Hoder stiffened and his grip tightened on the spear. I joke, of course, Lop said, grinning widely and glancing sidelong at Hoder. The smith's next words were drowned out by the banging rumble of an approaching cart. This close to Gladsheim, and with midwinter only two nights away, many traders were heading home. And from the way this oncoming cart leaped and lurched, this particular man was anxious to be there. He raised a hand in greeting, shouted something, and was gone again, his rumble trailing after him like one of Thor's storm clouds. When it was possible to again be heard, Hoder said, Don't joke like that with my father. Not funny, eh? Lop threw him a shadowy, lopsided grin. Hoder snorted. Lop's voice slid into the silence between the rumbles of their own cart. The truth is, I don't know where the runes came from. I learned my trade from my father, as he learned from his. The runes were a part of what was passed down, from my grandfather and his father before him. My father knew what the runes meant and how they should be used, but he, he was killed before passing all of what he knew on to me. When he used the runes on the weapons he crafted, he hid them beneath the wrap on a sword's hilt, on the inside of the axe's head, by the wood on the spear's tang. When he started doing that regularly is when the Ain Harar started buying our weapons. And then I just kept doing what he'd done. Hoder exhaled a breath he hadn't realized he was holding. Joking about the Svartalvar was not a good way to approach answering the Allfather's questions. But his father would accept that the knowledge of the runes had been passed down over generations. That was how everyone learned. He would press for more detail, though, and just imagining how his father would hone in where the runes came from made him want to itch the scars where his eyes had been. Instead, he asked, Who among the Einharar accepts delivery of your weapons? Their quartermaster, a man named Gerlaker. You know him? Know a man who'd probably been a baby when he'd last been in Gladsheim? Hoder snorted. I might have known his mother or father. Who commands the Einharar now? Saglin, his name is. Met him once. 
It was Jarn Saxa when I was last home in Gladsheim. I heard that Garillon briefly took over after her. Lopt flicked the reins. Saglan's the one who started buying our weapons. As another cart rumbled closer, heading away from Gladsheim, Hodor fell silent. He took a long look at the dim shapes all around him, the tall trees, the hazy ground. He raised his hand in response to the salute of the traitor approaching them, and then laughed aloud because he'd seen the man's wave. I know what you're thinking, Jarl. Lop's voice was loud over the receding rumble. The spear was a gift. I'll stand before your father and brother and take whatever punishment they deal out. Punishment? For using those runes. Have you provided weapons to our enemies? I only sell to the Einherar, like my father did. Well, maybe a weapon here and there to those who come asking, but they're all Aesir, and I don't put runes on those weapons. Then I don't think the Allfather will punish you, and if he tries, I'll speak for you, for all the good it would do. He'll certainly require you to show him all the runes you know and explain how you've used them. Lopt grunted, but said nothing. He flicked the reins again. Hoder clapped his hand down on the smith's shoulder. And if I know my father, he may even require you to move here and start teaching what you know. He'll want better weapons to fight the Jotun. Move? Teach? My father said these runes should be kept secret. Hoder shifted the spear to his left hand and held it out to the smith. Then take it back now, drop me at the gate, and ride away home again. I'll keep your secret. The moment stretched out longer than the road they had left to travel. Hoder saw the smith's right hand release the reins and move slowly toward the spear. He drank in the sight, hazy though it was, knowing that if the smith took back the spear, he'd never see anything again. He brought Alara's face to his mind's eye and savored it, too, like that last bite of the fruit he'd eaten, and might not ever taste again. What would he do if Lopt took back the spear? Alara said she loved him as he was, blind and broken. Without this new sight, imperfect as it was, he could become the warrior he'd once been. He need not return to Ifington or to Alara. Did he only love her because he was half the man he'd been? The smith's hand closed over his. Keep it, Jarl, Lopt said quietly. I said I'd face the Allfather's judgment. I meant it. Relief bloomed in Hoder's heart, and he realized that, if he was honest, he still had no idea what choice he'd make. Well, folks, that was Chapter 70 of Kinsman Die. I hope you enjoyed it. Lopt joined Hoder on his journey to Glodsheim, one final shipment of weapons for the Einherar in his cart. Lopt provided a little detail on how he learned the runes he used on the spear. Hoder remains undecided about what path he'll choose. But for now, he's headed to Gladsheim. Next week, we're back with Odin and his journey into the land of the dead. Until then, if you have the time and inclination, please rate or review the podcast. It helps boost the show's visibility, as does sharing it. And my thanks to those of you who have done so on all the various platforms on which the podcast is available. As always, I'm going to read from both the Bellows and Larrington translations of the Havamal, the sayings of the High One, Odin. Bellows, verse 70. It is better to live than to lie a corpse. The live man catches the cow. I saw flames rise for the rich man's pyre, and before his door he lay dead. Larrington, verse 70. It is better to live than not to be alive. It's the living man who gets the cow. 
I saw fire blaze up for the wealthy man, and he was dead outside the door. So here's my take on this verse, which I'm interpreting from the perspective of an older Odin, who knows what doom awaits him. He's looking back on his life and giving advice to the listener or reader. The message in the first two lines is, endure. Only if you are alive can you catch a cow. And in Norse society, along with many ancient cultures, cattle were synonymous with wealth. So Odin is saying, sure, maybe your life sucks now, but it's better than being dead. Endure. Strive for wealth. Only if you're alive can you get it. If you're dead, that's it. The last two lines are problematic. I looked at Quadratov's commentaries, and he cites some other sources. The gist of all of it is that the original language isn't clear, and the translators don't really know how to translate it, which perhaps means that we've lost the context for what the original words meant. The fire could be the wealthy guy's house going up in flames, meaning he lost everything, including his life. Or maybe it's a fire honoring the passage of the wealthy guy who, being dead, can no longer enjoy all the wealth he had. And that makes a bit more sense because it contrasts with the first two lines. But typically, wealthy people were buried with their precious belongings in the belief that they could still use them. Kings and jarls were buried in barrows or inside mountains where they lived on. Or sometimes the dead came back, the draugr, and tormented the living. And we see this type of burial practice all across ancient cultures. And I think, and this is just my opinion, and how I'm kind of looking at the, the Havamal and Norse mythology from this linear chronology that I've developed for the, for the myths, that Odin is looking back from a point at the end of his life. He's seen his death. He knows it's still coming. And he can't see beyond his own death. For him, death is the end. So, wealthy or poor, and Odin has been both, it is better to be alive, always, than it is to be dead. And what he wants to do is keep on living, so he's at least got a chance to catch that cow. Thanks for listening.